0: Your heart
1: is true, you're a bell and a confidant. Good afternoon, I am Deb Creer, the Socialite, and I am coming to you from high atop the Mile High Radio studio in Centennial. This is yet another absolutely gorgeous day in Colorado. I can see Pike's Peak, I can see Long's Peak, and so if we drift off, it's just because we're watching um, what's going on outside. It is so pretty out here with me today, I am delighted to have Dave Taylor as my guest. Um, I have followed Dave on social media for several years. We've met in person a couple of times, but just kind of, you know, glancing on and off. But Dave is just, you know, he's great. So I'm going to read his bio here very quickly. He has been involved with the internet since 1980. You know, that was when Al Gore invented it.
2: Actually Al and I co invented it.
1: Yeah, gotta gotta make sure we get that right. (laughs) And he has founded four internet related companies. He's written twenty business and technical books, been published thousands of times, and is an award winning public speaker. He's best known as the founder of online tech support site, Ask Dave Taylor, and he's also a film critic for sciencefiction.com, which I always have to read those posts, they're very good. And the Boulder Weekly too. He is a single parent to three kids. 14 11 and 7 and somehow he manages to retain his sanity even as he's juggling seemingly dozens of projects and activities so we're delighted that you were able to be here today if you want to find more about dave find him online at dave so dave welcome thank you so much for being here
2: well thanks for inviting me here and you're absolutely right the window is very distracting. I a know. Gorgeous day on the front range.
1: It is so pretty. Now, you know, in a couple of days we're gonna have the snow and we're gonna think, ugh, we didn't want to be here, but you know, for right now we wanna have this view. And it really is just, you know, incredible how far we can see out here. But let's let's get back to the, the topic at hand. We uh, although we were always posting on social media about you know the the various sites. Let's talk about you know, you use social media a lot. I see you on various platforms that I follow. Like I said, you know, I'm connected with you on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. You know, all of those sites. Why did you embrace this technology?
2: Um, why did I embrace the technology? I think that it's it's been an evolution. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing that's always appealed to me about the internet, about computers and networking itself, is the ability to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. And really, when I look back on everything I've done in my career, it's always been about how to help people communicate uh, more effectively. And so as things like Facebook came along and as things like LinkedIn happened and Twitter and such, it was very natural for me to adopt all of them. And so, yeah, I'm kind of a social media junkie at this (laughs) point.
1: (laughs) Well, and I'm guessing you're probably one of those early adopters. So you were on Facebook and the various other sites when they were fairly new?
2: Yes, as soon as you didn't have to be going to an Ivy League school to go on Facebook, (laughs) I was there. And on LinkedIn, when you go to LinkedIn, you can see what your member ID number is. Mm -hmm. My member ID number is five digits long. There are seven digits
1: now. Cool, cool. I'm going to have to look (laughs) mine up and see. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's amazing how you can reach out to so many people, especially with what you do, because I would guess that your audience is worldwide.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think, again, that's, One of the things that I find really interesting about social media in general is that you have really a much bigger reach than you ever realize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something where you say, what's a good pizza place? Well, someone in New Delhi might say, well, actually, my dad runs a place down the street that's really good, but I don't know if it's convenient to you.
1: <laughs> well, and to me, that's what's cool about it because I grew up in the mountains, very isolated community. I had a whopping 32 in my graduating class. And so now to have all of these connections, it's, it's just astounding. It's a little scary sometimes, especially being, you know, the, the girl from the mountains, but it's, to me, it's, it really is just fascinating.
2: Yeah. And I I think that that's true. And and I agree with your caution. And one of the things I actually go into local high schools and talk to them about Mm -hmm. Facebook and online safety. And one of the things that most people don't realize is that there really is a large audience. And it can include people that you really don't want reading about your problems with mm-hmm. your boyfriend or the fact that your parents have just left for a week and you're by yourself mm-hmm. in the house. And you know, we see again and again, every couple of months it gets into the media of some poor kid that's in high school and they post about a party they want to have and then their friends post it and then it's reshared, mm-hmm. And next thing you know, there's 350 people breaking down your door right. because, hey, it's a big party with free beer mm-hmm. and their parents are on vacation mm-hmm. and it's not going to end well. (laughs) Right,
1: you know, and and to me, that is one of the cautions that I think people don't always think too much about: is their kids on social media. I tell people, you know, maybe you, you know, your kids are on social media, and you don't want to be their friend or whatever, and that's fine. You know, it's just like some parents wouldn't want to read their diary, but I always tell them have a trusted adult because you never know what they might post.
2: um. Right, and the thing is, is that. It's not analogous to I don't want to read their diary mm-hmm. because that would be true if they only had one Facebook friend and mm-hmm. everything they posted was private. Right. But that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing that I think is really alarming is that nothing's ever really deleted. Mm-hmm. So nothing is ephemeral. You send out that tweet while you're drunk on Saturday night and you know what? A year later mm-hmm. someone's going to be able to find it and that might cost you a job. Mm-hmm. Or worse.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, whether you're, you know, 16 years old or 60 years old, I think that is one of the, the things that people don't always understand. You know, it is there. It, now, you might have gone in and deleted it, but it's still there. You know, especially Twitter, you know. The, the, yeah, it I, goes to the Library of yeah, Congress. Yeah. How's that for scary? <laughs> you and, which I just find that amazing. Now, I understand that they still can't, you still can't really search because they're still trying to figure that out. But just think if you posted, you know, this year that you hated your job and, you know, you, you, you had bad hours and, and all of those things. And three years from now, somebody goes and finds those.
2: Well, but it's worse than that because there was actually a Google employee mm-hmm. that posted. How their boss was a jerk. Ooh. And they did it under their own personal Twitter account mm-hmm. and everything. And next thing you knew, they were fired. Right. And I think the company was spot on for doing mm-hmm. that. It's just like, you know what? We're not renting your time. Mm-hmm. You need to be part, right. of a loyal part of mm-hmm. our team. If you're not happy, then go through channels, mm-hmm. but don't make us look bad. Right.
1: You know, don't, don't post it to the world. And it really doesn't matter, you know, obviously companies, if, if you're accessing those sites from their computers. I mean, they've got a very different ground for saying you can do this, you can't do that. But, you know, even if you're at your home, and especially if the company has a policy, which I tell companies it is a good thing to have a policy. That way, unfortunately, if you have a problem, you can deal with it. But, yeah, you know, maybe I'm sitting at home and I post something that's detrimental to my employer, then that would be just like, say, taking out an ad in a newspaper or something like that.
2: Right. I mean, I consider this the... Um, Christmas company party problem mm-hmm. where just because it's a Christmas party doesn't mean you can just like let loose and get drunk <laughs> and jump on the table. In the film Die Hard, mm-hmm. the Christmas party that starts that whole film rolling right. is a classic mm-hmm. example of how not to behave at mm-hmm. a Christmas party because your boss mm-hmm. is there and your boss might be drunk, mm-hmm. but they're still watching what you're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with online is I don't care whether you're posting from work or you're posting on a work mm-hmm. website or not. If you're part of my team, I expect you to at least give me the respect. Mm-hmm. And if there's an issue, right. then we address mm-hmm. the issue. Yeah. It's not like, well, at work I tell him he's really cool, but my boss is really a loser.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, not so much.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and I've seen corporate policies that are, you know, the, the lawyers got a hold of them and they're 35 pages long. And then I've seen others that were, you know, behave like an adult.
2: <laughs> See, but that's yeah. a very open to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and, and we probably hear about it every week where somebody has lost their job. I've heard about kids losing their college scholarships. Uh, one of the examples that I use in, in my training for uh, college kids is uh, this kid was, he had his scholarship to Harvard. This was a full ride scholarship. So this was not an inexpensive scholarship. I mean, you yeah, know, we're talking, what, 100 grand a year probably? He was accepted at all the Ivies clearly a smart child well you know the the powers that be at harvard followed him and he started trashing harvard on his facebook page now he thought he was being funny they didn't think he was funny and they withdrew that scholarship can you imagine you know if if you know one of your kids at dinner said um dad (laughs) you know that big scholarship i had well now i'm probably not even going to community college and he just thought he was having fun with it
2: and it would be like, son, I'm really sorry that you'll be working at the gas station and, and living in that mobile home, but you're out. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
1: you know, you you were that silly, then, you know, too bad. And, and of course, lawyers think that social media is one of the greatest things in the world, in especially child custody and divorce cases. Um, you know, and even Facebook, in its own terms of service, says we do not guarantee privacy. So it doesn't matter what you have your settings on. You just have to pay attention and be an adult.
2: Right. And the fact is is that no one can guarantee privacy mm-hmm. at all. And this is something that's been very clear to me for the years and years that I've been plugged into the Internet and its predecessors mm-hmm. is that if you put something online, at some level, you lose control mm-hmm. over it. I mean, this is the whole sort of security philosophy of it's easy to build a really tall wall. It's really hard to seal a space up. Mm-hmm. So you just make things difficult. But in terms of if someone wants to do research and dig up all those late night tweets and mm-hmm. those crazy photos you posted on Facebook, they can get to those right so. well
1: and you know somebody you know say I post something on my my Facebook page, somebody could always print that screen or you know do so I might think, oh I shouldn't have said that you know yeah and and immediately delete it, but the second it's there, somebody could have seen it and done something with it.
2: Yep, and that's, you know, also part of what makes it interesting Mm -hmm. is it's interesting to see this is sort of the Peter Parker Mm Spider-Man, right, is with all this power and capability, how do people use Mm -hmm. it? And there are some people that are doing a beautiful job, and they're really very interesting and very compelling Mm -hmm. and very engaging and they're very connected and yet when you actually think about what they talk about and what they don't talk about there are clearly parts of their life that are off limits Mm -hmm. and they just don't go there so you know it'll be the the person who you follow them and you interact with them and one day they say well i'm divorced and living in a new place Mm -hmm. wow i had no idea you were having problems because it's not your business Mm
1: -hmm. and you know i to me I think that's why I've really liked what I've seen on Google Plus. People post differently there. And I don't know if it's just because it's new and you know all and you know, obviously it's who I'm following I see a different level of posts on Google+, more of a professional level. Do you see that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Google+, and I think that this is the third time's the charm for Google. <laughs> um, I, people might not realize this, but they've tried previously a couple of times.
1: That poor buzz just kind of went Well, busy. and
2: then prior to that was Orcut, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, thank goodness for the Brazilians, because mm-hmm. otherwise it would have been shut down. Right. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, my experience is um, I've been posting the same thing on Google Plus and Facebook, mm-hmm. and what I find is that the people on Google Plus, they answer much more quickly, particularly if it's more of a technical question. Mm-hmm. I think it's a more geeky sort of um, early adopter Mm -hmm. community although it's still it's over 10 million people now Mm -hmm. so it's a fairly large audience whereas Facebook is like your friend from high school Mm -hmm. and your mom and your you know your kids Mm -hmm. and so for interpersonal stuff and for things like what's your favorite band or you know should I go see this movie I think Facebook's really good Mm -hmm. but when I have technical questions I definitely try to post them more on Google Plus and Mm -hmm. and often I'll post and within seconds I'll have responses so that's a wonderful thing
1: Mm -hmm. well and Right now, I like how it looks and feels. You know, there's no ads, which you know, obviously that will probably change. And, and um, because you're technically, there's only two corporations that are allowed on Google+. What do you think the future Google Google+ will bring? You know, they they keep announcing things, and of course Facebook keeps announcing changes. And
2: yeah, well, I think that there's a really fundamental difference between the two sites, and the difference is that Facebook, up until very recently, has been what I call symmetric. So that if I wanted to friend you, you had to friend me too. Mm-hmm. And so that inherently limits the ability for people to have lots and lots of followers. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of has a dampening effect. Whereas on Google Plus, from the get-go, it's always been, you can circle me and I don't even have to respond. Mm-hmm. I don't have to even acknowledge you. And so you get more asynchronous right. or, or asymmetric mm-hmm. and you get um, people that have tons of followers, you know, like a Robert Scoble mm-hmm. or someone like that where I don't think Robert he's not even really doing anything on Facebook anymore whereas no. on Google Plus he's yeah. very active. He's almost completely uh, transitioned. Chris Brogan has become yeah. one of their shills mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Sorry Chris. <laughs> I think he's I think
1: he's taken down his he might have even taken down his Facebook page. Mm -hmm. You know, I know he doesn't post much there anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tricky to balance it because Mm -hmm. I think when Google Plus does introduce advertising or advertisers or sponsored pages or fan pages or stuff like that, it's going to really change the feel of it. Because right now, again, one of the things I really like is there isn't any of this goofiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, we are ready to take a break. So when we come back, let's talk about who your favorite people are to follow online
0: miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old past said. Boy, you've got a friend in me. Yeah, you've got a friend in too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together, we can see it through. Cause you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am. Bigger and stronger too. Maybe none of the way I do is me and you, boy. And as the years go by, a friendship will never die. You're going to see it's our death, done You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me.
1: All right, we are back, and you do have a friend in me. I love these songs. You know, isn't this fun? Wait, so
2: are you Woody or are you <laughs> Buzz? Let's see. I, right I'm,
1: here? well, now, what was the girl's name? The it wasn't didn't Woody have a, a friend? Yeah. Okay. Do- now no, it was in Dancing with the Stars. We also, you know, I can't remember. She was cute. She had the little pigtails. I don't know. I guess that would be me. Okay. But um, see, I don't have kids. You have kids that would have grown up watching these movies, and I right?
2: That, except here's the irony: is that I'm a film reviewer, uh-huh. and film critic. But I generally try to minimize the amount of screen time my children actually Ah, mm -hmm. um, experience, Mm -hmm. do. And my seven-year-old really never sees screens at all. She's she's in second grade. She needs to spend the time in the real world, Mm -hmm. not plugged into a screen.
1: Oh, the the character's name was Jesse. Okay, I can be Jesse. I want to be Jesse. <laughs> Thank you to Scott, the fabulous producer, in there for that. Um, so, who do you like to follow, and and on which platforms? Because as we've been talking about, different people are on different platforms. So, who do you like to follow? You know, just a handful of of a couple on on each one.
2: Oh boy! I'm and putting, why you're putting me on the spot here? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I have to say that. While I follow a fair number of people on different platforms, what I'm looking more for is things that people are talking about mm-hmm. rather than people that are right. talking. Um, so I follow the big people. I follow the Guy Kawasaki's and mm-hmm. the Robert Scoble's and the Chris Brogan's and such. But um, generally, I have to say that I think that um, most of the most interesting information I see are from people that I generally don't know that well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the benefit of, of, for example, on Google Plus following someone like Chris is that he has lots of people that follow him. Mm-hmm. So if he posts a question or he makes an observation, he'll get a lot of responses. Right. And it's those responses mm-hmm. that are interesting. And this really ties us back to blogging mm-hmm. and ties us back to the social side of mm-hmm. social media. You know, I am not interested in any media where I become a follower. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in any media where I'm a recipient. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the person at the bottom of the hill listening to the guy at the top Mm -hmm. of the hill with a megaphone. Right. And so to me, what makes this all beautiful is that I can interact with someone who's super well-known, super famous, and we can have a discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe on Twitter, I'll, you know, post a comment and they'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. So I've talked with the people over at the Starbucks team, the Cirque du Soleil team, Mm -hmm. you know, the Ford team, the Chevy team- I'll just you know post a question; they'll mm-hmm. have a response. Comcast, mm-hmm. you know, and you get into a dialogue with them, and that's so fundamentally mm-hmm. different. You know, if you really go back and look at the '50s and the '60s with Mad Men and everything, mm-hmm. is that was so much a one-way communication right. it channel. It was just the push. Right. It was here's our message. Here's how we're going to craft it, and we're going to tell you how to think about mm-hmm. our product. And that's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing thing. And now for the large companies, I think it's quite frightening. And so there are companies, Disney comes to mind, where five, maybe ten years ago, they would sue people for using Disney images on their websites. Mm-hmm. And now I think they finally saw the light and said, well, if you're not using it for commercial purposes, Mm -hmm. having a photo of Disney World because you're writing about having Mm -hmm. to go to Disney World is not something that's going to hurt our Mm -hmm. business. And frankly, to some extent, you have to just sort of open the gates anyway, because even if you say, if you say bad things about us, we're going to sue you, Mm -hmm. people are still going to say bad things about Mm -hmm. you. And then they're going to say bad things about you and point out that you're suing the little guy. Well,
1: and it's so much better if you know about the bad things to respond to them. You know, so maybe it was somebody who had a horrible experience at Disney World. We'll see if you can fix it, you know, or your cable's down and somebody's posting about Comcast and Comcast goes on and says, "Okay, you know, here's what we're going to do to make this better. We're really sorry, because then everybody you're connected to saw that. If you kept posting about it and were pleased, you know, that's it's a great form of basically free advertising for those organizations.
2: Right. So now with that in mind, how do you think that RIM did with the BlackBerry outages in the last few weeks?
1: You know, I didn't like it. And to me, they didn't communicate as well as I thought they should have. I also thought You know, and and it was funny because we were, uh, I've mentioned before that I teach a business communications class. And so we talked about the messaging that they had in this. And so, of course, one of the things that they said was, gee, we're really sorry this happened. So we're going to make it up to you by giving $100 worth of free applications. That sounds great. But what were the, the free applications? You know, Were well, they ones that you could get almost for free anyway? Were they ones that you didn't care about? Or were they the really cool things that made up for the fact that you couldn't use your phone for a week?
2: Right. Well, and the worst part was, and we're going to do this, and by the way, it's going to take us five, six mm-hmm. weeks to figure out how to implement it. Right. At which point you're just like, you know what? I just left.
1: Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm
2: in a new service because I can't afford the mm-hmm. outage.
1: Well, and especially with your phone. you know, You're down for more than a couple of days. And now, granted, there are times where that happens. But then if you're told it's going to continue... I'm going to break my contract and go to somebody else or at least go get a different phone. You know, maybe I want to stay with that provider, but I'll go get a Droid or something like that. So, you know, and I people don't quite understand, especially companies, how fast the the technology gets that message out there. You know, one person gets annoyed and they tweet about it. So they may tweet it to their 3000 friends or the, the 3,000 people who follow them, well, then what if half of those people forward it and then half of those people? And somewhere in there, you've got somebody who's got 50,000 followers. And the, the company's going, wait, 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 what happened? What happened in Denver? You know, and, and then it's one of the trending topics, and they're thinking, oh, crud, what the heck did we just lose control of?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, smart companies have always had, always had crisis control and mm-hmm. crisis management teams. Um, the company with Tylenol mm-hmm. is a great example. Right. When they had that issue on mm-hmm. the shelves years ago. Mm-hmm. They handled it beautifully. Mm-hmm. But for every one of those, there's another company that comes along and they're like, well, it's Saturday. We'll check in Mm -hmm. on Monday morning. We have to go through our lawyers. And by then, the wildfire has taken Mm -hmm. over the hill.
1: Well, and in so many cases, I used to to work with people doing crisis communications. Telling somebody I'm sorry is not the same thing as saying we're at fault. And in many cases, that's all you want to hear. You know, if you're in a restaurant, somebody, you know, the, the waiter trips and spills a tray of drinks on you. He might have tripped because I left my purse out where he fell over it. But if he looks at me and says, I am so sorry, I'm pretty much a happy camper. Yeah. If I he had says, that happen Lady it was Las- your fault, yeah. then I'm not happy.
2: I had that very experience happen mm-hmm. to me in Las Vegas actually and they were, you know, quick to respond mm-hmm. by saying, if you can drop your shirt off, we'll mm-hmm. get it dry clean. Perfect. And it's just like great. And I mm-hmm. actually never did that. Yeah. But they responded the, the offer, right way. Yeah.
1: The the mm-hmm. offer was there. And on social media it really is so easy to monitor the conversation that's going on out there and it surprises me when companies really just don't get that and it, and it has blown up you know hello netflix or the politicians I, you know you got to love politicians and sports people and all of those people who you know i didn't know that that picture of my private part was going to be seen by everybody you posted it on twitter <laughs>
2: <laughs> and no one wanted to see it I know that that was probably
1: the problem. No one really wanted to see it yep. um, but I, I think what we really struggle with is the lack of privacy or the understanding of the lack of privacy. you know the the the, 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 the congressman who does think gee it's it's a private communication on Twitter no, it's not um, you know and and so you you've been doing this a long time. We won't say how long.
2: Um, I started when I was seven. Yes, yeah, okay. that was it. Six, six.
1: <laughs> what do you see? You know, you've seen a lot of changes. What do you think is it, we're evolving into?
2: Um, well, we're certainly more and more and always connected all the time. And, uh, you know, I say that, and, Deb, in front of you, you have your Droid phone yep. and your laptop, mm-hmm. and I have my iPhone and my iPad, mm-hmm. and the team here on the production side probably have a half a dozen laptops mm-hmm. running, and there's a PC under the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're an always connected society now, and there are definitely people that aren't. And over time, I think they're going to more and more be the, maybe not the Luddites because I don't know that it's a conscious choice Mm -hmm. on their part, but they're going to just be left behind. Mm -hmm. And I just look at some of the stuff that we can do and it's just revolutionary. I mean, I was having breakfast at Snooze this morning Mm -hmm. and I needed, I need a new kitchen faucet. So I pulled up my iPad and I went to Lowe's online. Mm -hmm. And searched through, saw the ones they had, picked the closest store, which we can actually see out the window, mm-hmm. and I ordered and paid for it, and I swung by mm-hmm. on the way to the studio, and it was ready to go. Right. And and you really you think about this, this is something that was not even possible five years ago, mm-hmm. let alone you know when our parents were children. Right. Just, you know, technology was more about well, you know, how are we going to get the car to start?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and and you know, if you even just a couple of years ago to get your faucet, you would have picked up the sure. phone book. You would have called all the Lows, all, you know, all of those different places, asked if they had it in stock, you know, maybe, maybe not, all of those various things, and now we get annoyed when we can't do that. You know, I was, I'm, you know, we're redoing our house to get ready to sell it, and if I have looked at something online and I go to the store and it's not there, oh, I'm not happy. You know, they, they, it told me, it told me it was there.
2: Yeah, and then you get into interesting situations, and again, this is this is sort of the cusp of this new world. Where, for example, Target.com mm-hmm. and the Target retail stores don't have the same pricing strategies. Right. So I've been into the Target store and shown them on my phone. Mm-hmm. Look, on your website, this mm-hmm. is $30, but in the store it's $40. Mm-hmm. Will you honor this price? And mm-hmm. they say, no, we can't. Ooh. And it's just like... Well, okay, that's your choice, mm-hmm. but what I'm going to do then is order it online mm-hmm. and you won't get the business. Yep. You know, well, the corporation gets the business, but it's a different division mm-hmm. and it doesn't, you know, and unfortunately, then the long run of that is that you end up seeing a lot of obsolete businesses mm-hmm. that go out mm-hmm. and vanish.
1: Well, and what I really enjoy seeing are the small businesses who get it and post those things. You know, Tattered Cover is, is one example. I love following them on Facebook because they post so many cool things. You know, they talk about the staff's favorite book of the week. And, you know, obviously they're they're posting about who they've got in uh, doing book signings and, and things like that. They get that. You know, they, they really do understand that that's information we're looking for.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's because I think at the end of the day, we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. And so what the Tattered covers doing in the Boulder bookstore in Boulder does the mm-hmm. same sort of thing. And they're saying, we're people who work here. This is not a faceless corporation. Right. You know, as much as I love Amazon.com mm-hmm. and I use them extensively, the fact is, is I don't see recommendations from Amazon staffers. Mm-hmm. Whereas the great thing about a, a small bookstore, and you didn't see that at Borders and Barnes and mm-hmm. Noble is you go into something like the Tattered Cover and they have an entire bookcase and it's just recommendations and each one actually has a paragraph Mm -hmm. handwritten Mm -hmm. by Susan. And it's like, oh, you know, I got Susan's last book. I'm going to get this one.
1: Or you can go talk to Susan about it. That's, you know, because that, that's, to me, one of the, the cool things. And that's part of the reason that's why I like small That's bold of you businesses. to actually
2: talk to people. <laughs> I know, I
1: know. Well, see, I have to do it on Skype. <laughs> you, know, you can't meet them face-to-face.
2: Yeah, I mean, we do have a piece mm-hmm. of glass yes, between us, so it. it's safe. Yeah, you know, it,
1: That does bring <laughs> up something, though. We We have gotten, in a lot of ways, out of talking with people face-to-face. We've kind of lost that. To me, one of the coolest things is when I meet somebody on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and then I do get to go meet them in person.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I see the same thing with people who espouse we should do virtual conferences. Mm-hmm. They're so much less expensive. You can stay home and watch the presentations through a live stream. And it's like, well, that would be true if my strategy for going to a conference was I walk right. in the room, I sit, I listen mm-hmm. to the presentation, I go to the next one. And as soon as the last mm-hmm. person's done, I go to my room and do something yeah. else.
1: I go but, to interact with people. Right.
2: But, I mean, anyone who actually has a clue about conferences, this is a big secret here I'm about to tell you, <laughs> is really you can generally skip the presentations and just focus on the evening events mm-hmm. and the lunchtimes. Yeah. And that's when you're going to sit next to the person mm-hmm. and say, oh, you work for that company? Mm-hmm. I love your yeah. company. Do you guys ever do joint mm-hmm. ventures?
1: Right. And, and of course, if you wanted to know what happened in you know the 10 a.m. session, you go to the hashtag where people were <laughs> posting about it and you get everything you need to know there. Um, you know, and, and uh, that's, uh, I think when technology combines like that, to me, that's the, the best part. Because, you know, you do have people who they just want to go, they want to sit, they, you know, they, they're in their little bubble. Uh, you know, one of my most favorite shows is The Big Bang Theory. And, you know, so they're the Sheldons. They go, they don't want to talk to anybody. And then you've got the other people who, to them, it really is more about going and being that social person.
2: So you're more Penny than Sheldon. I'm Penny. I'm Penny. <laughs> I know. So you, um, we're we're getting this whole personality profile. I on you. know <laughs>
1: that I never shared on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you
2: well, you are now essentially. <laughs>
1: yes, this is true. This is true. So you know, on conferences, to me, those are it's it's interesting when I see people. We were talking about that. You know that they only want to be online. Google Plus has that new feature of Hangout, where you can have ten people at a time. Have you tried that?
2: Um, I tried it a little bit, mostly because it's sort of my Mm shtick is I write about how to do Mm -hmm. things. So I've done it enough that I can write about how to do it. Mm -hmm. But generally, um, I'm only interested in something like that in as much as I can control the people that can come in. Right. Because if I'm going to do this, I'd like to do it for, for example, a consulting session Mm -hmm. or to use it for teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of just generally hanging out and shooting the breeze with people, eh, you know, I'm pretty busy Mm -hmm. doing something like that. I'd rather do that in person.
1: Well, and maybe they, they need to rename it might be the the thing. It, I wasn't as impressed with it the first time I tried it, and it, it may have changed because this was, you know, when it was very new, when the, when the screen kept popping back and forth to whoever was making any noise, you know. And so when my cat meowed, I was the big one on screen, and then when somebody else typed on their computer, and it was very confusing.
2: So wait, so your cat had a separate account. Yes. And so if your cat was meowing, then they were the center <laughs> of attention, which really, for, if, with I my know. cat, that mm-hmm. would totally be, no one else would ever talk. Oh, yeah. It would Claude, just be constant well, meowing. Well,
1: <laughs> the, the cat is Claude LaMeow, you know, and, and he is. He just constantly, you know, and, and he has to have his own little setup and So and it's everything. Meow Plus, really. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. He's d- and he's found other friends.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's reassuring. <laughs> mm. Usually they do that by hopping over your fence. This
1: is true. This is true. Well, we are at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will We'll come back and let's talk about blogging when we come back.
3: All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail, and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail, and your third fiance didn't show. Sometimes you want to go where everybody. See, our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Mm-hmm. out of bed, Mr. Coffee's dead. The morning's, the morning's looking bright. And your shrink ran off to Europe and didn't even write. right. And your husband wants to be a girl. Be glad there's one place in life.
1: Okay, so I give away my age when we pick when I pick the songs that we went played here. I mean,
2: it wasn't cheers. the big band. It's good. This is true. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is true. This
1: is true. But I love Cheers. I just thought that was one of the coolest shows, and you know, just the the music that was always such fun. So you know, we are back. I am Deb Creer. Um, call myself the socialite because I teach people how to use social media to promote themselves and their business. And I am here with Dave Taylor, who has been doing things with the internet since he. Was is six years old, so I won't tell you how old he is now, but it's it's great talking to him about all of this. I do want to talk just very quickly about next week, because I won't be here. The program, of course, still goes on, so I will have a guest host. Um, Lita Citrone will be here, and for those of you who have listened in the past, Lita uh, was a guest of mine, and she is one of the top international personal branding experts. She helps business leaders and professionals develop and manage their reputations. As part of her business, Lita 360, which is based here in Colorado, she helps returning war veterans learn how to make themselves marketable in the civilian business environment. So next Monday, November 7th, Lita will focus the show on guidance, tips, and resources for military veterans with an emphasis on using social media as part of a job search. She will have a guest, um, and his name is John Jones, who is the executive director of the Wall Street Warfighters Foundation, which is based in Philadelphia. This program helps disabled veterans Secure jobs in financial firms. John is the National Spokesperson for Disabled Sports USA and served as an infantry platoon sergeant in the U.S. Marines before being injured. This program will be great for anyone who knows a vet or is a vet looking to transition careers and just in general, you know, if you're thinking about how to transition careers, Lita has some great information. So you know be sure to to tune in next time and, and listen to that. Well, as I mentioned, I'm here with Dave Taylor. Let's talk about blogging. Because many people don't think that blogging is social media. I think it is because you're interacting with people. And you've been blogging for a long time. You have quite a few blogs. You teach people how to blog. Let's get into that.
2: Right. So I I completely agree. And to me, the definition of social media is something that allows you to be social, to engage, or to interact. Mm -hmm. And so I would argue that things like YouTube or Flickr are mm-hmm. social media. Um, and I will go further to say things like World of Warcraft mm-hmm. is also social media, mm-hmm. depending on how you use it. Right. If you go on and you just start killing things, mm-hmm. then it's not very social. But a lot of people actually use it as a way to make friends and to mm-hmm. have conversations and to create focus, you know, interest mm-hmm. groups and stuff. Um, what they're interested in is another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but to me, blogging is something that I came across in like 2002, something like that. And um, it was immediately interesting to me because it seemed like it was the a really nice hybrid between having a sort of broadcast only website where no one could interact with you other than sending you email, mm-hmm. and having something like a wiki, which is sort of this free for all where anyone can edit anything. And as someone who's been a writer forever, um, I want to own my words. I don't want people monkeying with my mm-hmm. words. I am thrilled to have people fix things and, and make, you know, suggest changes and updates and leave responses and comments, but I wanted the content itself to sort of be pristine. And the blog is exactly that. So if you create a blog or if you're running a blog, then you write something and no one else can change it, Mm -hmm. but they can certainly leave their two cents afterwards. And if you can create a good community, and many people do, and there's some great blogs out there, then the conversation is way more and way more interesting than just one person having a conversation Mm -hmm. or one person uh, sharing their opinion. And the thing is is that then there are two different approaches to using a blog as the author of the blog, one of which is, I've said my piece, you may leave your comments, good luck to you. Mm -hmm. And the other one, which I actually prefer, is I've said my piece, you're responding, I'm going to respond to your responses. Mm -hmm. And so then when you look into the comments or the annotations, as it were, then you'll see that it's third party, third party, the author comes back, the third party responds Mm -hmm. to the author, and it's really a discussion and a dialogue. And again, now we're circling back to what we started out with, which was the whole idea that instead of it being a one-way communications channel from your small business or your corporation to your public or your uh, marketplace, it's really much more of a two-way street, Mm -hmm. and it's much more of a discussion. And to me, I find it very exciting. I find it very cool that I can actually you know, talk about things with the corporate people at Starbucks or Mm -hmm. something. And I have access to people like that where even, you know, when I was in college, um, untold number of years ago, (laughs) (laughs) but we did have computers. So it wasn't so bad. However, they were in basketball courts. Yeah. That's an old, old (laughs) old joke. Um, you know, back then, if I want to interact with a company, then you'd look in the phone book, find an 800 number, and you'd probably get palmed off to some call center Mm -hmm. somewhere. But now I can connect directly with the company and maybe I'm not work, you know, twittering back and forth with the president, but I'm certainly engaged with someone that actually has a lot more savvy about what's Mm -hmm. going on and can answer questions and can address issues and problems.
1: Well, and you blog about several different subjects. That's what I find interesting because some of us, you know, tend to think, okay, we can, we, we don't want to fragment maybe our audience or whoever, so we're only going to blog about X. And you have several different subjects that you blog about. Do you find that people cross over or do you kind of keep your same target audience for each one?
2: Um, I try to keep things fairly narrowly focused because I think you're exactly spot on that having it be a very random amount, you know, sequence of, of content where it's a movie review, it's about a restaurant you went to, and it's a problem you're having at work, and by the way, here's this really neat piece of C code that I just programmed or something. That gets really hard for your audience. It works really well for your friends, Mm -hmm. because they might be interested in all of the facets that you have, but, my experience is that having it be more narrowly focused. So for example, I have a blog and it's just film reviews Mm -hmm. and that's Mm daveonfilm.com. And that's all I post there. And if I don't get to write a review for two weeks, then it just sits there without any content. Mm -hmm. But I don't write about other things. I don't write about, well, I went to the movie theater and I met my friend Mike and it's so fun to bump into old friends Mm -hmm. that we you know, played basketball together years ago or something like that. Um, so I have really tried to create silos. And in terms of crossover, I think there are some people that follow mm-hmm. me on all my different blogs, but generally people have one area that they're interested in. And, you know, the one that gets the most traffic is the AskDavetaylor.com. Mm-hmm. And I see 50 to 60,000 people a day. Wow. And I'm sure that the vast, vast majority of them a, have no idea I do other things, and B, don't really care. Mm-hmm. And that's fine right. because my, my job in that regard is to help them solve problems. Mm-hmm. And if I can help them solve the problem, they're happy, I'm happy, it's a win-win, they leave, they're done. Mm-hmm. I don't need them to become part of my community. Mm-hmm. I just want to help them out.
1: So on Ask Dave Taylor, people are posting, uh, they're they're asking questions about technical questions. What are they asking on that blog?
2: Uh, you name it, we've talked about it, all the way from, like, <laughs> Um, compatibility of microphones with recording software on your PC mm-hmm. to um, making your Mac run faster or getting photos off of your iPhone or connecting your um, Android phone with your Bluetooth car device um, just a wide range of technical topics. And at this point, I have um, just a little shy of 3,000 articles. Wow. So generally, when someone comes to me with a question, I've probably already answered mm-hmm. it. So I have made a number of flaming death hoops that they have to go through <laughs> before they can actually ask <laughs> me a question. Because Check, I don't the, want, archives, check yeah,
1: the archives, check I the archives, check the archives. I don't want 50,000 questions mm-hmm.
2: a day coming in because, mm-hmm. frankly, that's a scary mm-hmm. number. <laughs>
1: now, since it's tech... Do you go back in and, and take out articles that are no longer pertinent?
2: Uh, what I try to do is I, I sort of let – I'm a real proponent of creating a community mm-hmm. and letting the community help. So what I do is when people will say this article is out of date, then I will earmark it and I'll write a, a new article. Oh, okay. And then I'll link the old one to the new one. Okay but I really try to never delete any content Mm -hmm. because you never know. It's like there are still people running Windows 95. Mm -hmm. This is true. if I would have just said, well, now that we have Windows 7, Mm -hmm. I can delete all those Vista articles. Which we'd like to do, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, Vista's a whole other story.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you find that people on your blog start helping other people?
2: Um, Yes, absolutely. And and to me, that's what I love the most because that's when I know that I've gone from having an audience Mm -hmm. to creating a community. And uh, one of the ones that I have an article on how to take lyrics and find what song that is. If mm-hmm. you like have this fragment in your head from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's become quite a fascinating conversation because half the time people will quote, well, I seem to recall this song from when I was in college and it has these four (laughs) lines and it has this chorus, but I have no idea what it is and Mm -hmm. I've been looking for years. And then there are other people that are just a little junior detectives and they'll go and dig around and they'll go, I think it's this song by this artist. Mm -hmm. Here's a link. And I mean, to me, I'm not really interested Mm -hmm. in answering Mm -hmm. specific, you know, one-off questions. Um, I'm much more interested in answering the general question. Mm -hmm. How do I solve this kind of problem? Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it's very much the sort of biblical adage of give a man a fish. He's hungry the next day. Mm -hmm. Teach a man to fish and they would never be hungry again. Right. Very Uh, cool. So
1: So what other topics do you blog about and where could people find those blogs?
2: Okay. So really the best place to start is, as you suggested, Mm DaveTaylorOnline.com, which is my sort of um, digital business card, if you will. But I have four blogs right now. So I have askdavetaylor.com, which covers all tech Q&A. And I have on Film, which is my uh, film reviews. I have a parenting site, which I am shortly going to be relaunching and reinventing. Mm-hmm. But right now it's at apparenting.com. And if you read between the lines, it's actually kind of interesting from a um, sort of sociological perspective because I started that blog when I was married, mm-hmm. and then I continued the blog as I went through a divorce, ah. and now the blog is about me as a single father. Uh-huh. So that will be reinvented as survivingfatherhood.com. <laughs> so we're we're working behind the scenes to get that to be a smooth transition. But you know, to me, it's just sort of like the evolutionary step in this mm-hmm. site, um, and frankly. A lot of the sort of philosophy of attachment parenting really applies to very, very young children. Mm-hmm. And my youngest is almost eight. Yeah. So we're moving oh, along anyway. We're
1: moving to the tweens almost.
2: Oh, I have, I, I will have yeah. teens in my household for 15 years oh. straight. So I'm getting good at it already, hopefully.
1: Do they comment on your blog?
2: They don't, and actually they don't read it. Ah. And at some point they will get sophisticated and they'll read it, but I really honor their privacy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't ever mention their names. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I write about something that's happened between me and them, I generally will couch it or or turn it mm-hmm. into a story where it's, you know, people that know me will say, oh, well, you're writing about your mm-hmm. son. But, but everyone most else, of us are yeah, thinking it's the neighbor. Yeah, everyone else will say, or, yeah, you know, well, this kid down the street mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really careful about that. I don't have any photos of my children mm-hmm. that are identifiable. And, again, you know, it's going back to that mm-hmm. privacy. And so the fourth blog I have is I have one on business and marketing. Which is at intuitive.com, mm-hmm. which is a domain I've had since 1989. Wow. People don't believe that when it's, but you can go do a lookup mm-hmm. on a, mm-hmm. who is. I've had my domain forever. And back then, you could have gotten things like business.com, but none of us thought of it. No. It's like, well, what do you mean buy a domain mm-hmm. you're not going to use yeah. so you can sell it later? Yeah. Then just leave it and let them buy yeah. it.
1: And and of course, it was $75. Oh. When th- we had to, you know, I remember. If I, only. I, yeah. You know, when, when I renewed one the other day, it was 99 cents. And I was like, "Really?" And yeah. that was for two years.
2: Yeah. Well, actually, I think now the deal is they'll actually pay you a dollar to mm-hmm. renew your domain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, speaking of that, that is something that people really should think about: is getting their own name, if possible. You know, granted, it's it's not always possible, but even if you're not going to do anything, maybe you will start blogging in the future. You know, and and so it would be great to have your own name as your domain name to be able to do that, especially when it's so cheap. I tell people, you know, when I work with them on their uh, job search, all the time, go get that name you know. get it reserved aside from anything else you don't want somebody else posting something there that you know you you don't want
2: right and that's that's um a bit of a mixed thing so if you're saying that i should go get dave taylor.com or something like that and it's just like well you know if i have a really really unique mm-hmm. name which i clearly don't uh then maybe mm-hmm. but number one i think someone already had it mm-hmm. and number two I'm a fan of, of, of sort of trying to stay focused. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of internet stuff where it's just like, well, get it just in case, or mm-hmm. sign up for that new social network so someone else doesn't get mm-hmm. your favorite ID. And it's like, but if you're not going to use it, what do you right. care? Yeah. I mean, there's only so many hours in a day, mm-hmm. even with all these virtual mm-hmm. tools.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and I don't do multiple versions of my name. You know, I've, I've had people that have said, oh, you should do Deb, Deborah, Debbie. And I'm like, no, you know, that's just too many things to keep track of. Plus, if somebody were to go to something and find it and there's nothing there, that's not good.
2: Yeah, that's the whole thing we saw with Twitter, where it's like, oh, you want to get every Twitter handle mm-hmm. you possibly can. And I have a bunch of them. And they just basically have one tweet that says, don't follow mm-hmm. this. I'm really on this account. Yeah. And people follow it anyway. And it's just like, this is weird. What are you following? Mm-hmm. This tells me you're using a tool yeah. and that you're just gaming the whole you're system. You're not paying
1: attention at all. So, Well, we are going to take another quick break and come back and talk a little bit more about, you know, just uh, let's, let's really delve into more of the social media sites and what we use them for. back. I'm Deb Creer, the socialite, here with Dave Taylor. You know, that song is a great lead-in to what I wanted to talk about. You know, why can't we be friends? Because we we all tell people, yes, you know, follow me, follow (laughs) me, you know, and so people can follow me on Twitter at Deb Creer. They can follow you at at Dave Taylor. But what does it mean? Each person, of course, has their own definition, but what does it mean to be a friend with somebody online?
2: Right. So I actually strongly differentiate that from real friends. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, as, as we've discussed in the past, to me, a real friend, my definition is they'll bring me chicken soup when I'm sick. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't to say that you can't have real friends that live in other states. But, you know, a lot of the sort of virtual friends... You don't really ever open up to each Mm -hmm. other, and it's probably not appropriate to do that. I mean, I'm not really interested in following someone where we have the most tenuous of connections, but somehow you're emailing me telling me about your cat having leukemia Mm -hmm. or something, which is a terrible thing, Mm -hmm. and I'm really sad for you, but don't ask me for help because we Mm -hmm. haven't established that relationship yet. And so to me, the friends, I think it's the wrong word mm-hmm. in Facebook, frankly, or certainly it is now. Mm-hmm. And I have thousands of people I'm connected with mm-hmm. on Facebook and I like them and they're interesting mm-hmm. people and I like being able to keep up on what they're doing in their lives, but I don't feel like there's this deep, long connection right. there. And if one of them stopped posting, I might never even realize.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, the nice thing about the, the lists on Facebook and then on Twitter, too, is I can pick the people that I, I care the most about and follow because, you know, sadly, a, a good portion of the people I'm connected with, I don't have time to read all their posts. Sometimes I don't want to read all their posts. One of the things that I found interesting, this was a couple of years ago. Um, my father was very ill and passed away. You know, we're at the hospital. We're at the nursing home. It's 2 o'clock at night, and I'm posting online. You know, there's nothing else to do, so you're posting online. The people who I really didn't know were the ones who would comment back and say, I'm thinking about you, just want you to know. And my real-life friends didn't say a word. And in some cases, that colored my feelings for them. It was like these these total transcendental people who I will never see cared about me enough to, to post – and and you couldn't bother to pick up the phone and I think that might be one of the confusing things now with all of these social media sites
2: right well and I think that the my response to that or my reaction to that is don't assume I'm always paying attention right you know and I think that that's sort of the fallacy is Mm -hmm. that if I post to Google Plus Mm -hmm. or if I post to Facebook then somehow miraculously all of the people that mm-hmm. I you know that I care about should know that this mm-hmm. has happened and the reality is is it just doesn't and right. it's and it gets awkward because it's quite frequent that someone even a very close friend will say well did you see my post yesterday mm-hmm. on Facebook and say like, eh, no not yeah, so much yeah. oh. but it doesn't mean I don't like you it just means that
1: I was busy yesterday there's
2: a lot going on yeah.
1: I realized this morning that a friend of mine had had her first child a month ago. And I totally missed all of it, and I felt bad.
2: That's probably still her first child. Yes, yes. yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 It'll be, a, you know, always be a first child. But yeah, I I had totally missed it. But I've fallen into that trap of telling somebody. Well, I posted it on Facebook. Right. Why didn't you read it?
2: Right. So there's the dilemma: mm-hmm. is that you're saying that it's colored your opinion of mm-hmm. your friends. But your I father passing them. away, mm-hmm. right? And this is the whole thing, you know. And and it does get tricky. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's really important. The more you sink into the mud of social media, as it were, the more you have to recognize its strengths and its weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I don't care how you communicate with me. If it's really, really important, then you should pick up the mm-hmm. phone, or you should find me, yeah. or you should say, "Can we get together mm-hmm. for lunch? I need to talk." Mm-hmm. And I have a friend. We went out for lunch a couple of days ago, and we had a very profound conversation. Mm-hmm. And he just said, I need to get together with you. We need to have this mm-hmm. conversation. I need to hear what you have to think. Ah, and it wasn't let's mm-hmm. email. It wasn't, Hey, yeah. I just posted something face on Facebook. Face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it does get more difficult mm-hmm. if you have people from long, you know, far away. Mm-hmm. But my, my dad, for example, he has brothers in New Jersey. And Australia, he lives in Los Angeles, and every single week they do a Skype video mm-hmm. call, the three of them, yeah. and it works great. It's not as good as being there, no. but frankly, it's mm-hmm. also a whole pile less mm-hmm. expensive. Yeah,
1: well, and with Skype, they get to see each other, which you know that that does it could really be a make plus a, or minus. Yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> and, you know, well, it, it's funny, you know, I, I post what I'm doing, you know, to some degree every day on Facebook, so my mom goes and reads that. That way, I don't have to call her every day, um, you know, and and but you know, there's there's a lot of different sites, and I see that you're connected on several that I've never heard about. So, what's Brightkite?
2: So, Brightkite, yeah, this is you're looking at the printout of my DaveTaylorOnline.com mm-hmm. for those of you that yes. want to play along. And at home, you can
1: find Dave right? on those pages. <laughs> Click to follow him.
2: Um, Brightkite, it's sort of come and gone. It was a Foursquare predecessor, ah. so it was a geolocation mm-hmm. based game mm-hmm. system it was um, iPhone apps mm-hmm. Android app and stuff um, so that one might probably need to update but that's the thing is that you know we talk about friends and we talk about privacy so Foursquare is a piece of software where you check into places mm-hmm. as you go around and To me, that's a very intimate amount Mm -hmm. of data to share with someone. So the only people I connect to on Foursquare are people that I would recognize if they walked in Mm -hmm. the door. And that's an interesting criterion to use when you're looking at all your Facebook Mm -hmm. friends or all the people that you're following on Twitter. There are a lot of people where they'd walk in the door and they'd say, Oh, hey, Dave, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. so and so. And it's like, and who, why Mm -hmm. would I know who, why would I care about you? So. Um, Foursquare but you know really there's no point in me putting Foursquare onto that site because mm-hmm. I don't want people I don't right. know mm-hmm. asking me to friend them on Foursquare because mm-hmm. I'll just reject it
1: well and I have it turned off on Facebook where you could ch- where somebody could check me in and I, that's for a variety of reasons uh, not the least of the which is you know I'm a woman and I don't want to be say at a meeting in downtown Denver some evening and have somebody check me in and then possibly have a problem to me right. it's just a little bit too much
2: yeah for me it's plausible deniability. Yeah, yeah. I
1: wasn't there. I really wasn't (laughs) there. (laughs) I wasn't at that meeting. What are you talking about? (laughs) Now, you know, I will check in if I know it's going to benefit the business or the organization, but I want to be the one to choose when I check in and when I don't check in. You know, I'll go for weeks without even remembering that I should do that. And somebody will say, hey, you know, you're at this networking thing. Why don't you check in on Facebook? Oh, oh, yeah. And then I have to remember how to do it on my phone.
2: Right. And and even as you're saying this, and I'm looking at this printout of that page, there's friend feed, Mm -hmm. there's dig, there's Flickr. kind of, sort of, some of these can just vanish. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I would be particularly worried, nor do I really, you know, if someone wants to friend Mm -hmm. me on DIG, I haven't been onto the DIG site in years. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's one of the challenges is that um, in a way that we could never have anticipated, technology is moving at such an aggressive Mm -hmm. and increasingly aggressive speed. Mm that it's really almost impossible to keep up. Right. And I would say on any given week, I have invitations to upwards of 30 or 40 Mm -hmm. new social networks Mm -hmm. of various types. And my rule of thumb is just ignore it until Mm -hmm. I hear enough requests. Yeah. But even then, it's just like, well, then am I an early adopter? Mm -hmm. But is my job early Mm -hmm. adopting? In which case, I have no time Mm -hmm. to do anything Mm -hmm. else. And then that becomes really unfun. Really, I have to duplicate my profile Mm -hmm. again. Yeah,
1: I, I don't do branch out. I don't do plaques, though. I don't do any of those. Because I don't want to have to stop and think, now, what did I say where, and is this one current, and what's my password for that one, and you know, to me, it's better, I just focus pretty much on three, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and my preference of those is Facebook.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I really do very little on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. so I would say that mine are Google+, Facebook, and to some extent, Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of the um, shine is off the rose, that's not the right metaphor, something, <laughs> something like that. Um the blush is off the that's nose. It. maybe that 's what it is, but i 'm not as impressed or happy or enthused about Twitter as I was even twelve months ago mm-hmm. because I think that it 's not, it's not a scalable model, and as there are millions and millions of people, and as people routinely follow tens of thousands mm-hmm. of other people, it really kind of breaks down, and my experience was a couple of years ago I would post something on Twitter and it would start a big conversation. Mm-hmm. And now I can post a question and never get a response at all. But I have 10,000 people following Mm me. But the thing is, is that it's this literal data tsunami just pouring Mm -hmm. right into their faces all the time. And, you know, if I don't check Facebook, I'm sorry, if I don't check Twitter for two hours, I'm not going to go back and find no. the things that were posted Mm-mm. two hours ago. Yeah. So my, the ones I really like are Facebook and Google Plus and mm-hmm. a little preference to Google Plus for interpersonal mm-hmm. and Facebook for the groups. Mm-hmm. There's some just great groups. I'm speaking next week at Blog World Expo. Cool. Actually, not next week. What's, that's this week. Ah. I'm actually speaking this Thursday mm-hmm. um, and they have a private Facebook group just for the people that are speaking at the conference oh, and there's fun. hundreds of yeah. them and it's just it's a riot mm-hmm. it's just this amazing outpouring of i mean everyone's into this mm-hmm. everyone this is their thing mm-hmm. and so the conversations and the feedback and the jokes and stuff it's, it's just tremendous mm-hmm. fun i mean i hope it'll last beyond the conference mm-hmm. But to me, in a lot of ways, this is what makes it so interesting. And in Google+, yes, you can have circles, but the circles don't sort of collectively exist. Mm-hmm. They only exist within your world. Right. And so the idea of having a private group conversation mm-hmm. is harder to pull off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would say I probably like both of them equally mm-hmm. at this point.
1: One of the things I like about Google Plus is they haven't opened up their code so that Hootsuite and all those other programs can access it. So I know if I respond to somebody's post, it's they're there and and going to respond directly back. So I get more interaction I think that way because it wasn't somebody who went to Hootsuite and posted, you know, on 18 different sites at the same time and then they check it again 3 days later. They're on Google Plus if you know if they're being if they're posting.
2: Yeah, and absolutely. I would say one of the things that I most strongly recommend to companies and to people that are using multiple social media sites is understand the characteristics and the personality of each site mm-hmm. and use those specifically. Right. Don't post one thing to everything. Mm-hmm. Don't have your Twitter feed automatically show up as Facebook updates. Oh, it just especially becomes if you
1: noise use hashtags. You know, that just I, I follow somebody on Twitter that he has made it a point that he will not do a post if he can't use four hashtags. Well, if that goes into Facebook and LinkedIn, it makes zero sense to people who don't know what a hashtag is. So, you know, I might say, or I might be talking about the same subject on all of them, but I do different posts. Because yeah, people are reading it for different things. You know, they want a little bit something more on Facebook. They want the short and sweet on Twitter. On Google Plus, you can really do a long post.
2: Yeah, and Facebook actually allows you to do longer posts. Yeah, now. they're getting there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but they're, again, they're that's, following
1: that big guy. <laughs> right, but that's the whole thing.
2: Is if you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how can I squeeze this important mm-hmm. update into 140 mm-hmm. characters? Okay, when you go onto Facebook, you can add that second mm-hmm. sentence to make it make sense. Yep. Yeah. So,
1: well, and, you know, for me, 140 characters is just really difficult. I can't be short and sweet.
2: <laughs> and yet you are short and yes, sweet.
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I think, uh, with that, we're gonna start wrapping some things up. This is, has been absolutely delightful. Um, I host this program every Monday from one until two, and I would love to have you back again to, to talk more about blogging, hear about what happened at blog world all those various things i think that you know there's a lot of information and a lot of misinformation so anything we can do to help people understand what's going on in social media that's that's my goal to be able to present that information to people so thank you so much for being here um, we will. For those of you who won't, uh, who are going to listen next week, I won't be here. You will hear Lita Citrone, and then the week after that, I will be back. So tune in and enjoy this fabulous Colorado day. For those of you who are in Colorado, if you're not in Colorado, be so jealous.
3: <laughs>
2: you're listening to Mile High Radio milehoundradio.com on the World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c Radio.com.